Welcome to another Cheerios Cast. I'm Jim McGregor, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Kevin Crewell. And the topic today is the Risk 5 Summit. Now, this is becoming a very important event as Risk 5 starts gaining traction and support throughout the high-tech industry, especially the semiconductor vendors. So with that, Kevin, can you give us the 30-second overview of what Risk 5 is and why it's important? Risk 5 was developed at the University of California at Berkeley as a clean slate approach to the risk reduced destruction set architecture designs. And it is open source or say open standard. They don't like calling it open source because there's no source code with it. That's why the analogy with Linux does falls apart because Linux, there is actually source code for Linux. With RISC-V, there's open standard. It is a instruction set definition, but your implementation varies from vendor to vendor. So that's why it's an open standard. The analogy is Ethernet. Ethernet's an open standard, but how you implement Ethernet is up to the vendor. So it was developed in Berkeley. A number of companies have adopted it and to the point where it's being used in everything from base computers to deeply embedded little microcontrollers inside GPUs and memory controllers. So there's a quick summary of why RISC-V is important and where it came from. Yeah, it's become pretty predominant. I mean, you've got Western Digital doing their storage controllers with it. You've got Qualcomm using it as an embedded microcontroller and XP using it for an embedded microcontroller. And you've got support on the manufacturing side from companies like TSMC, Samsung, and Intel now also supporting the RISC-V Foundation. Yeah, actually, Intel is a big proponent of RISC-V, and RISC-V is part of the Intel Foundry solutions. And they've worked together with one of the announcements at the conference was they showed a demo of the Horse Creek development vehicle that uses RISC-V cores from Sci-5, and then a bunch of other IP all in Intel's 4 nanometer process. Well, I know there were a lot of announcements because I read your article. And by the way, if you're interested, the article's coming out in E Times in early January on all the announcements, kind of everything that happened at the RISC-V Summit. But Kevin, can you kind of give us that quick summary of what the major announcements were at uh, the RISC-V Summit? Sure. One of, I thought was one of the most important announcements was Ventana, the Veyron V1. Ventana is a startup that is developing a chiplet approach to RISC-V, and specifically they're focused on data center and cloud computing. They wouldn't say who their customer base is, who they're approaching, but they've indicated it's a number of the large cloud providers. This chiplet has 16 RISC-V cores, the 48 megabytes of memory. The cores are then attached to a I.O. hub, I.O. and memory controller hub, very similar to the latest Epic architecture from AMD. All told, you could package up to 128 cores in one socket. So that approaches the density of Ampere's solution for ARM. So you get a very high-density RISC-V data center class processor. We'll see that in 2023. So I thought that was an important uh, reveal at the conference. MIPS, the architecture, and MIPS, the company, are intertwined, but MIPS, the company, has come back out of Chapter 11 or near Chapter 11 conditions. And decided last year, they announced that their future architecture development was going to be on RISC-V. 
So they announced their new RISC-V core called the Evil Core P8700. And they announced that they had already a design win, and that was with Mobileye, which is using it in the next generation of IQ SOCs for automotive. So MIPS is rebooting itself as a RISC-V vendor. Sci-5, one of the premier and leading RISC-V IP vendors, because uh, the company was founded by some of the, the key researchers at Berkeley that developed RISC-V in the first place. They announced, uh, in addition to the first silicon devaluation of the uh, Horse Creek uh, chip, they also decided, and actually this has been previously announced, they talked about the, the deal they had with Microchip, and Microchip and them had both won a jet propulsion NASA design for the next generation of space-capable computers called the HPSC. In fact, one of the JPL engineers came and talked at RISC-V Summit about the development of that program. The goal is to have about 100x the performance of its previous PowerPC-based space computers. And now also, they required about a 10 to 20-year lifespan for the the instruction set, and they felt RISC-V would give them that. Other providers like Andy's, Another early adopter of the RISC-V instruction set, even though they had their own cores before, they're announcing a new AX65 13-stage pipeline out-of-order core, which is their highest-performing core to date. And uh, a number of other cores that fit into the uh, ecosystem, and they're doing well in automotive as well. They have a Renaissance design for automotive uh, MPUs. Well, and I agree with you. I think the Ventana announcement was very important. And for our listeners, if you're not familiar, one of the key things about the RISC-V architecture, even though it's an open standard, is the fact that you can customize the ISA. You can customize the instructions. And that's really important. No other architecture really allows you to do that on any significant level. Being able to customize it, whether it's for something that's truly embedded or something for the cloud, like a mega data center, allows you to customize it around the specific workload. And the significance of that is the fact that you can reduce the power and or increase the performance significantly, sometimes just with a couple instruction sets. And think about what that does. As Moore's Law slows down and we can't increase the performance significantly and or reduce the power, just those instruction sets can really have a significant impact, just like accelerators can have a significant impact. This is one of those key tools, and we've speculated for the past couple of years that, you know, this could really pull RISC-V into the data center, and we're, we're now seeing that. So it's going to be interesting. We're seeing a lot of interest in RISC-V kind of across the spectrum. Let me stop you there, though. The customization is important, and a number of companies have been focused on the customization, but a standardization of the core itself is important. That's why the RISC-V International Foundation has created profiles. These profiles will allow uh, more standard software targets so that a wider range of software can be targeted to RISC-V and not just the customized versions of it. The customization is important, and that really does buy you a lot of performance. Cadence and, and Synopsys have, have shown that those are very viable strategies for deeply embedded designs for DSP functions and cellular modems and that type of stuff. But even the standard architecture, well-defined, is smaller, lower power, and potentially higher performing 
than the competition x86 and arm so even a standard version of risc 5 can be very competitive um, in in application processors but in the application processor business you need more standardization and that's where they're also heading in that direction as well building standard levels of profiles and also ios so that more mainstream software can be ported to it well it is interesting the fact that we're now comparing this both to arm and to x86 whereas a couple years ago we were just comparing it to arm for microcontrollers yep and specifically ventana is very much focused on the performance of their cores versus x86 and not just arm now i know one other company was there because it's in your article and that was a that was google so let's talk about google sure uh google the open source part of of android they are releasing a set of tools in 2023 that support risc 5 so that's a big step forward for risc 5 android is a huge monster in the operating system for embedded devices, smartphones, tablets. So therefore, getting Android, an official port on Android, by Google to RISC V will open up a whole series of new doors for RISC V. There have been specialty ports, Alibaba in China. There's been a lot of of interim ports of Android to RISC V, but to have a real Google project on this means a big step forward for it. Now, Google did end their talk with laying out a series of requirements they need in a target device in terms of performance and in terms of instruction set support and I.O. support. There's still work to be done. It's not ready to roll your own right yet. But I think this also ties into the profiles, although it wasn't overtly mentioned that there would be a profile just for Android. But the Google spokesman did indicate that there is specific hardware and, and architecture requirements they need for a more mainstream Android support. So we're getting there. 2023 may be that uh, juncture where we get a fully official Android port to RISC V. Wow, that would be huge. When we think of Android, we typically think of ARM. We think of ARM in smartphones. We think of ARM in TVs. We think of ARM in anything running Android. So to have another alternative architecture, especially as some of the major players like Samsung, Qualcomm, Apple are already developing their own custom CPU cores that run Android, all using the ARM instruction set architecture today, or compatible, I should say, uh, architecture today, that would be a huge, huge opportunity. I mean, we're talking billions of units and uh, a very competitive segment. So that, that to me, would just be very interesting competition. Yeah, historically, Android wasn't just on ARM. I mean, there were Android ports to MIPS, there were Android ports to x86, but those all fell by the wayside, and ARM basically owns that Android business today. Bringing RISC-V in would potentially disrupt ARM's uh, hold over the Android ecosystem. So I got to ask you, Kevin, with all the great announcements and obviously a lot of these are future chips we're not going to see some of this until 2023 or beyond are we at a critical inflection point for risk five yet oh absolutely the work that was being done over 2021 and 2022 to approve extensions on security virtualization vectors building this 
out the, the, the core architecture to add key performance and critical safety and software security or instructions to the architecture were, were essential. We, now we have a more robust architecture that can then move forward. And 2023 is now, those approvals will go forward. There's new profile coming in 2023. That is a major step up from the 2020 profile. And I think we're going to really start seeing a lot of development. In addition, more development boards are coming to market. And this was also emphasized by a number of speakers that we need more development platforms. Horse Creek, even though we saw a validation platform, the real development platform doesn't doesn't ship till uh, mid-2023. And then that will provide a really good platform for a lot of software development. You know, you said that the this isn't the comparison to Linux isn't necessarily a good one, but I still kind of see it the same way. You know, when Linux first came out, everyone was excited about it, but it took kind of a decade for it to really gain its steam and momentum. And I kind of feel like there were that same kind of period of Risk Five. So I, I I still think that's there, and I, I think the open standards, open structure, open architecture, open software, all that stuff is really going to enhance the market going forward. Well, these two ways of looking at it, the openness and the collaborative nature of RISC-V can take longer to, to come to market because it takes a while to get everybody to agree to a standard. At the same time, we've seen vendors that weren't in a rush to get new instruction sets or to get new cores to market if they weren't challenged enough. So we've seen even corporate owners of ISIS who weren't moving fast enough at times. But the competition between all the various instruction sets is only thing is, is a good thing because that means push pressure on ARM, ARM moves faster in response. XA6 also has to be more efficient and move in that mark uh, move that way as well. All these competitions between different vendors and instruction sets and business models gives the end customers a lot of choice. And that, that's the most important thing. And one of the big things about RISC-V is a level of choice. You can choose the implementation of the architecture. You can choose the extensions. You could choose which IP vendor you want to work with. You could all roll your own. There are so many options with RISC-V that it gives the end user a lot of flexibility and opportunity to build whatever they want and optimize for their, their real needs. That's kind of why oh, Callista Redmond said RISC-V is inevitable, meaning that no, there's no question that the RISC-V ecosystem is going to grow. The investment by all these companies in it makes it strong. And the flexibility allows you to optimize for various uses. So there's, there's no question that RISC-V is here to stay. Thanks, Kevin, because I don't think I could wrap it up any better than that. <laughs> so with that, that is a wrap of another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research advisory firm that provides custom research advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. We are all ex-engineers, or as Kevin likes to say, recovering engineers, and we all have plenty of management experience throughout the high-tech industry. We are typically the experts to the experts. 
If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at Kevin at TyriusResearch.com, Jim at TyriusResearch.com, or our colleagues Francis or Steve at TyriusResearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S Research.com. You can also keep up with us through our Tyrius Cast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, articles on Forbes, E Times, E Journal, ECT News, and Microelectronics in Taiwan. Our research and newsletters posted on TyriusResearch.com. You can also get a on the email list for the newsletter if you wish. And through our social networks, which are primarily Twitter and LinkedIn. We have our corporate one, which is Tyrius Research, but we also have individual ones, including at Steve Leibson, at Crewell for Kevin, at F. Sedeco for Francis Sedeco, and at Tech Strategist. That's me. That's T-E-K Strategist. Yes, I know. I can't spell. And thank you for joining us and have a great day. Mm-hmm.